Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. So we have a listener email. Oh, we do? We do. Oh from gosh. Annie. Again. Hi, Annie. So it starts, hello, beautiful ghouls. Just wanted to share an experience with you. My husband's son's girlfriend and I are currently in Pensacola visiting our son who is stationed here. I found a really cool verbo in a historic section of Pensacola. The building was built in 1930 and has been a candy factory, a grocery store, and a few other things before it was turned into a residence. Very neat place with an industrial vibe and creepy as hell. You constantly feel like someone is standing behind you, strange noises and taps, sudden cold spots, the first night, our son was able to stay here, and his girlfriend kept waking up because they thought someone was in their room. My son says he keeps seeing a little girl. My dog, who goes everywhere with me, is completely freaked out and has been and has to be carried into the building. My dog and I are currently here alone, and I'm hoping everyone gets back soon because I have to pee, and I'm too <laughs> afraid to walk down the hall to the bathroom. <laughs> I feel you, Annie. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Thank you so much for writing in. Really appreciate it. So creepy. Do you imagine, like, just getting, like, a rental, you know, and then feeling that shit and thinking someone's in your room? No. No, thank you. Creepy. Especially when your animals are. Absolutely. That is a big indication that there's something there Mm -hmm. because they sense shit that we don't. Okay, and I have a riddle. What is full of holes but still holds water? Hmm. I don't know. I was going to say watermelon, but. A sponge. That's actually not a bad guess, but a sponge. Okay. I guess it would. Well, the inside's full of holes. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I get where you got that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I want to start with, oh, uh, coincidences. Okay. I believe. I think. I had a hard time, so I looked at a bunch <laughs> of stuff. So, okay. So first one, I was headed in for a job interview several years back. As I'm walking in, two other men are approaching the door from different angles. One of them speeds up to cut off the other and get in the door first. And the other walks in, shaking his head. As I walk in behind them, the first guy runs to the elevator and presses the button, not holding the elevator for the other guy and me. Again, the second guy just shakes his head. We wait for the next elevator. I say, can you believe some people? And we both just chuckle a little. As it turns out, we were headed for the same floor. So we all get off the elevator together. As we walk into the office, there is guy number one, Mr. Impatient, standing at the desk, tapping his foot at the receptionist as the receptionist is finishing a phone call. The receptionist asks, can I help you? He says, I'm here to see Mr. Smith for an interview at 3.30. I think to myself, great, this guy's interviewing for the same position I have, and I'm sure he'll pretend to be the sweetest guy in the interview. I lean over and tell the receptionist, I'm Mr. Smith's 3 o'clock interview. Mr. Impatient just glares at me. The other guy I walked in with, the one Mr. Impatient had cut off, then says, gentlemen, I'm Mr. Smith. I he, knew that was coming. He turns to Mr. Impatient and says, you don't need to wait around. I've already determined you're not good fit, not a good fit for us. <laughs> and I got the job. Aww. <laughs> That's what you get, Mr. Impatient. 
asshole. Yeah. I don't know. That wasn't a coincidence. I don't know why that wasn't. No, it wasn't. Weird. I still like the story. Yeah, yeah, it was a good story. Anyway. <laughs> um, okay. The night my daughter died in a double hit and run in Colorado, a stranger stopped to help her and was witness to the second car that hit her, ending her life. He had been trying to help her, though. He called for an ambulance, and although it was ultimately unsuccessful, every effort was made to save her life. That stranger is a hero as far as I'm concerned. The man who tried to help was very traumatized by what he had witnessed and had to change jobs so that he no longer had to pass the place where my daughter died as he went to and from work. Unrelated to the accident, he and his wife got rid of their landline when they moved. I wanted very much to thank him, but although I had tried to get in touch, he had changed jobs and he no longer had a telephone I could call. But that's not the end of the story. I finally decided that simply being grateful would have to be enough, even if I couldn't tell him myself. Two years later, I'm sitting at the dinner table in a hostel in London, and I strike up a conversation with a guy also having dinner there. He was from the same area as me. He remembered my daughter's death, not just from it being in the news, but because the husband of one of his co-workers had stopped and tried to help the young lady. Oh my God. To make a long story short, he put me in touch with his co-worker and I was able to email her and express my thanks and gratitude for her husband's efforts that night. She emailed me back and said that although her husband was desperately sorry he couldn't save her, he was grateful that she didn't have to die alone. He is a hero in my eyes and I'm so glad I got to let him know how grateful our family is. May he and his loved ones be abundantly blessed. That is so weird. I know. In London? Seriously. How the... F I mean, they were meant... He was meant to tell that guy thank you. Yeah. Like, I bet his daughter was like, okay, like, you know, mm -hmm. we got to get them in touch somehow. That's crazy. Next one, I was working in an emergency room in Atlanta, Georgia. We had a new doctor who just finished her residency in Boston. She was working her second shift with us when an ambulance came in. She looked at the patient on the stretcher and said, hey, I know him. She followed the stretcher to followed the stretcher to his room and said, Randy, why are you in Georgia? He looked at her, up at her shocked and said, oh, nuts, I can't get away from you, can I? <laughs> Apparently, he had been a frequent flyer at her previous hospital, and she had just taken care of him several days before leaving Boston the previous week. <laughs> it must have been shocking for him to take a bus to Atlanta to have the same doctor take care of him. There are a lot of hospitals in America. The odds of this guy picking the same hospital in the same state, in the same city, city on the same day, on the same shift, as the same doctor that was working is insane to comprehend. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, next one. This happened to me yesterday. I was at a bar in Oceanside, California, and noticed one of the barbacks was wearing a shirt with a silhouette of Ohio on it. I grew up in Ohio, so I asked where he was from. I'm from Cleveland. Me, too, a little south of it. Yeah, we actually know each other. You trained me at a restaurant and gave me my first AFI album. I'm 33 years old. When I was 19 or 20, I trained this 16-year-old kid named Pete how to bus tables at an Italian restaurant and apparently gave him an AFI album, which probably explains why I can't find it, <laughs> that, he, that he recognized me over a decade and that we both happen to be in the same place at a random bar in Southern California is pretty incredible to me. Crazy. A small world. It is. Next one, years ago, I was driving down the expressway when there was a loud bang from another, from under the hood, and the car just decelerated quickly. 
I pulled to a, to a stop in the emergency lane and began considering my options. It was raining, so the prospect of even looking under the hood didn't seem appealing, and I didn't have any tools with me in any event. I certainly didn't have the parts to fix whatever was broken. Also, this was before cell phones. I looked around and noticed that a car had run off the road and knocked down a chain-link fence just a few yards away. Huh. Better yet, there appeared to be a residential street just beyond the fence. So I got out of the car, hopped what remained of the fence, and found myself in a small cul-de-sac with the choice of three or four houses nearby. Choosing one at random, I walked up to the door and knocked. Dave, what are you doing here? <laughs> the person who answered was Troy, a co-worker from several year years earlier. I explained, and of course he loaned me his phone so that I could call my father. I then went back to the car to wait for my father and a tow truck, and he said he would call. And a tow truck, he said he would call for me. While I was waiting, an electric utility truck pulled in behind me, and the driver turned his emergency lights on. I got out of the car and ran ran back to the truck to tell the driver someone was already on the way, and it was our next door neighbor from 15 <laughs> years earlier. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> next one a few years ago my wife got a phone call from dr b someone she hadn't spoken to in many years he said he was calling because he remembered that we had been budapest back in the 1990s and he wanted the name of a guide we used try as she might my wife couldn't remember the name of the guide Suddenly, she heard the call waiting beep on the phone. My wife excused herself to, to Dr. B for a second to answer the other call. And who was this other caller? Yes, it was Laszlo F., the Budapest guide, calling to say hello. <laughs> After more than 15 years, oh we still gosh. can't believe this happened. <laughs> That's crazy. That is crazy. Next one, I'm from Australia. My wife and I had backpacked through Vietnam for three weeks. One place we stayed stayed had a television. So while I was waiting for my wife to get ready to go out, I flicked on the set to see what Vietnamese TV was like. We could only get reception on a few channels, and since the other two were Vietnamese talk shows, I left it on a program that was doing current affairs in English. It was a strange mixture of footage from Australian programs, so I recognized the presenter from TV back home. I had the TV on for about five minutes while I waited, and I was about to switch it off when I looked up and saw my brother on the screen. <laughs> the network was showing a program from Australia about marriage, and it included couples showing excerpts of their wedding videos. My brother officiated at, at the wedding of one couple, and so he was clearly visible on the screen for about 10 seconds. When I got back to Australia, I mentioned this to my brother. He had no idea he'd been on Australian, Australian TV, let alone replayed on Vietnamese TV. I can say with almost 100% confidence that my brother has only appeared on Vietnamese TV for 10 seconds in the entire time they've been broadcasting. It blows me away to think that this happened to, that it happened to occur in the 10 minutes of Vietnamese TV that I happened to be watching. That's funny. That is funny. Once when a class of 10th graders and I were discussing uh, Edgar Allan Poe's poem, The Raven, an actual raven landed on the tree outside of the classroom and started cawing loudly. No kidding. The students and I lost it. <laughs> I've taught in that room for almost 20 years, and I can't remember another time when a raven had landed in that tree, let alone under such specific circumstances. 
Next one, I began research on my senior project in computer science. Since this was in the pre-internet era, I used the library. I went into the engineering library and consulted a huge index of published lit literature in the computing field. From there, I identified four articles that might be helpful in my project of choice. I was able to find three of them in the vast holdings of the engineering library, but they didn't really pan out. The fourth sounded much more promising, but I couldn't find it. It was in the Journal of Artificial Intelligence, Volume 4, Number 6. I consulted the reference librarian. She confirmed that the UF Engineering Library didn't subscribe to that journal, but I could get it on an interlibrary loan in six weeks or so. I needed it faster than that. So I ran off to class. I was barely seated at my desk when a friend of mine walks in without a word and put a magazine on my desk. It was the Journal of Artificial Intelligence, Volume 4, Number 6. I was speechless. <laughs> oh, that was my last one. Okay. This week, I did Let's Not Meet Stories. Mm. I have a lot of weird encounters outside my office on my smoke breaks, but I think this one takes the cake, even with how anticlimactic it was. Today, I was sitting on the wall outside my building, smoking and messing around on my phone, I had probably been sitting there for about two minutes without looking up when I finally do and notice a guy on the corner about 20 feet away staring intently at me. He's hunched over facing me in the classic zombie pose wearing a large coat, a surgical mask, and gloves. I didn't know how long he'd been standing there, but it was daytime and the area was relatively populated, so despite being the only person on the street, I wasn't too worried. I went back to looking at my phone, but kept discreetly glancing in his direction to see if he was still there. He didn't move or stop looking at me for probably another minute and a half. Just sunken shoulders with his unblinking eyes pointed directly at me over his mask. Mm -hmm. Finally, I notice an older man walking towards us, and my cigarette is almost finished, so I assume worse comes to worse, this guy won't be near if anything happens. I glance back at my phone and hear what I assume are the older man's footsteps approaching. Before I have a chance to look up, the surgical zombie is sitting within an inch of me on the wall. <laughs> I'm a polite girl, so I give him a vague smile while my inner self and personal space are screaming at me to get up and leave. He asks me for a cigarette, so I give him one and he just continues to sit there with it unlit. I can't fight my manner, so I ask him if he needs a light, and he gives me a gloved double thumbs up and stares at me. I ask him if that meant he had one, to which he responds with another double thumbs up. I assume that was him saying he did, so I turn back to my phone, planning on t taking one more drag before getting up to leave. He then says, yes, I need one. So I give him my lighter, he hands it back, and I put my smoke out and stand up. He then begins laughing, like full belly laughing. I didn't really know how to respond, so I tell him to have a nice day and walk into my building. To be honest, I've never really had a fear of people, and I can't say this is the first time I've had someone had done something like this. But the mask and gloves really added to the absurdity of the situation. Um, <laughs> that's weird. What the fuck? I don't know. I don't like these stories. They're scarier than the ghosts, <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> it's Friday night at around 8.45 p.m. The little one's in bed, and I'm chilling with some friends online gaming. 
There's a loud bang and I'm instantly freaking out due to having my home, my safe place, invaded by some creeper twice in the past three months. I turn the volume on my computer down, trying my best to come up with excuses. Oh, it was the neighbors doing something. Who in their right minds would try to break into my house when they can see that I'm awake? Front outdoor light on, lounge light on. It's quiet for a while, so I return to playing the game and talking to my friends. That's when I hear rustling. I think it's coming from the gang, despite the volume being super low. But to be on the safe side, I turn the sound on the computer off completely. The rustling's still there. At this point, I think it might be that annoying pest possum. The banging could have been it jumping onto the garage roof, and now it was snuffling around outside the leaves, searching for some food. As I said earlier, who would try to trespass when they could clearly see someone was home? If they did trespass, why would they be doing so so loudly? (laughs) I want to say it put me at ease, but it didn't. Fast forward half an hour and the noises have stopped and my cat's begging me to be let outside. Little bastard. I love him, really. (laughs) I hate opening doors, curtains, windows at night. Paranoia. (laughs) Paranoia. Paranoia at its finest. But tonight I had a reason to be paranoid, at least. I kept the chain lock on the door and let the fat fuzzball squeeze out and had a bit of a peek through the crack, seeing if anything was amiss in my front lawn. Nothing out of the ordinary, so I lock the door and head back to the lounge. Five minutes later, someone tries the door handle. (gasps) Finding it locked, I hear a laugh, and they start scratching on the glass as I frantically grab my phone and call the police. Whoever it was had left by the time they answered the phone, and police couldn't find evidence that anyone had been on the property. They did a sweep of the neighborhood, but couldn't find anyone on the streets either. Whoever you are, it's, I'd say, let's not meet, but I'm pretty sure you're the same person who came the other two times. And I'm fairly certain that that person is my ex. So, Hmm. Mr. X, if it is you, smile for the cameras next time you come around. They just arrived in my mailbox. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've stopped this subject for a while. And couldn't decide whether or not to post mine, but I'm feeling brave on a Monday. It was a very long time ago, back in 1973. I know it was summer, I was six, and we were living on Monica Lane in Madison, Wisconsin. Thing is, I sort of recalled it, but never put two and two together until a few months ago when I was talking to my mom, who went into great detail. I was a very gregarious child, outgoing, extroverted, friends with anyone. It was at the time a middle-class neighborhood and three houses down from ours on the same side of the street was a huge park. My mom was a nurse and my dad was a salesman, but mom worked second shift at Meritor while my dad worked days. I rarely had a babysitter, only if they went out for dinner or a movie, but they did go out often and there were always older kids in the neighborhood to babysit. One sitter, who I really liked, lived a few blocks or so away and down the street a little bit. Vicky had babysat a few times before that, and it was pretty uneventful. She played games with me and do my hair, play dress-up, pretty basic stuff. So anyhow, one day I had gone with my friends down to the park. I remember there was a ball field at the time and a sand lot next to the field. My friends wanted to play on the monkey bars, but I wanted to play in the sand. I looked at the sandbox, and my babysitter, Vicky, was standing there. I told my friends I was going down to the sandbox and ran off. We played in the sand, building a castle, and then she asked me if I wanted to go get something cold to drink. It was stifling hot, and I, of course, said yes, so she takes my hand and we start walking to her place. 
She starts telling me about her puppies and asking if I want to play with them. Of course, I get giddy and now can't wait to get to her house. This was where my memory had stopped, and after my mom told me what happened, the rest of it flooded back. My mother just happened to be talking to my sister and I about some of the places we lived, and we get to Monica Lane. I told her I remembered the park and how big it seemed, and she asked me if I remember being kidnapped. What? I immediately thought she was kidding, and then the look on her face told me otherwise. She said it was around five in the afternoon, and one of my friends had come to the door to ask me to come back outside, sure that I had gotten bored and walked back home. When my mom checked the house, she realized I wasn't there, and seven months pregnant with my sister, sprints to the park, screaming my name. After asking several kids if they'd seen me with no clue, she went to the ball field and asked the older boys if they'd seen me. One of the boys, she guessed he was around 14, said that he'd seen a younger woman playing with a girl that fit my description in the sand and walked off in a general direction, and that was all he knew. My mom ran across the street to one of the houses and asked to use their phone and call the police. By the time the police got there, my dad had come home and some of the neighbors were trying to help my mom. So there's this search party out looking for me, screaming my name and knocking on doors. The police had gone back to the park to ask the boys if they knew who had been with me and if they knew who she was. Between the boys and the neighbors, they deduced who it was that had led me off, but I have no idea how, honestly. The police and the entourage go to her home. She lived with her parents, but they weren't home, and knock on the door. She came to the door and told them she hadn't seen me and that she'd been home all day. The police asked to come in, and for some reason she said okay. They went through the house and went to the basement and found me. That's what my mom knew, and then I remembered. It was literally like a floodgate had opened, and I started crying. At six, you sort of trust everyone, and she'd been in our home. I never got a bad feeling from her, and my parents didn't either, but when we walked into her house, I remembered the cold, holy fuck feeling washing over me and getting very worried. I remember starting to cry and saying I wanted to go home over and over. She takes me into her kitchen and gets me a glass of water and a tissue. I hear dogs barking, and next to the kitchen is an open stairway that goes down and where the barking was coming from. She starts trying to cajole me into going downstairs, telling me there's all sorts of toys and games. I reluctantly agree, and she grabs my hand to head down the stairs. The dogs are going nuttier, and I start screaming. At this point, Vicky is getting fucking bizarre. She's screaming me... She's screaming at me to shut the fuck up. If you don't shut up, I will throw you in the cage with the dogs and they will eat you. Shut up. Dragging me down the stairs and still screaming. I was scared out of my mind. I remember crying so hard I was hyperventilating and I am screaming so hard I'm not making sounds. Vicky then flips the switch and starts being syrupy sweet, trying to calm me down. She tells me that she was just playing a game and tells me she wants to play hide and seek. She must have been relatively skilled at calming me down because the next thing I know, I hear knocking on the door upstairs and I wasn't crying. The houses were all the same sort of tract houses that Sears used to sell. Not huge, but not small, but you could hear everything at any spot in the house. I keep hearing the knocking and she tells me that it's her friends. They're coming to play hide and seek. She convinces me to let her put a piece of masking tape over my mouth so I wouldn't make a sound, and lifted me into this big wooden box next to the kennel. She put a big pile of blankets over me and told me to be really quiet so they didn't find me. The whole time the dogs are going 
batshit, but when she calmed me down, they calmed down too. They still looked incredibly mean, but they were no longer frothing at the mouth and only slightly growling until the knocking started. I remember scrunching in there, confused, still scared, and convinced that the dogs were going to get out and eat me. I was crying again and hyperventilating. I remember taking the tape off my mouth because I couldn't breathe, but remembered I needed to be quiet because I was afraid what she'd do if I screamed. I laid in that smelly box next to a big bag of dog food, sweating to hell, tears rolling down my face. I sort of pushed the blankets to the side, but only enough so that I could pull them back over me when someone came. I recall thinking about my dad and wondering if he'd come find me. All of a sudden, I hear what sounds like adults yelling my name. They come down the stairs, and the dogs are going batshit again. Over and over, men are yelling my name, and then I hear a man say, If you don't shut those fucking dogs up, I will. I was in a large storage box, like a carpenter's toolbox type of thing, with tape hanging off my mouth when they opened the lid. I remember a very nice man asking me my name and if I was okay. I don't remember answering him in anything other than screams and tears and grabbing his neck so hard my dad had to practically pry me off of him. I remember my parents taking me to the hospital to be checked out, and that's all I really remember. Mom said that Vicky was found guilty of attempted kidnapping, and last she knew was in prison, but couldn't remember when the last time was she had heard anything. We moved from the area shortly thereafter, and I haven't been back since. I do know that Mom said that her parents were odd, but that they didn't know them. She had met Vicky from neighbors that had used her as a babysitter and had never heard of anything bad and that I always seemed happy with her. She lived in the general neighborhood, but it would have been two blocks over and one block down. Mom said they never picked her up. She always walked over. When they'd get home, they'd drive her home, but never noticed anything out of the ordinary. Mom and Dad had only met her parents when they came to the door to ask for forgiveness, that Vicky hadn't meant to do anything bad and was a good girl. Mom said my dad picked up her dad by the shirt and told him that if they ever came on our property again, he'd kill them. I remember her name and sort of what she looked like, but would have no idea if she walked up to me who she was or who she is. Holy shit. That's insane. Yeah. That was a lucky little girl, too. Oh, my God. What was she trying to do? I don't know. Sounds like she was off. Yeah. Big time. Wow. Holy shit, that's scary. Around 9 p.m., I heard the telltale rumble that meant the forecasted storm was about to start. I couldn't recall if I had rolled up my car window when I got home, so I went out to check. It was already dark out, and I live in a part of town that isn't big on streetlights, so at night, sometimes it's hard to even stay on the sidewalk without crashing into bushes. The dumpsters are about 200 to 300 feet from my car on our U-shaped street, tucked into a corner that backs into trees and a small creek. I live on the back of the building, so once I round that corner, you can see me from my car near the dumpster. I guess it's supposed to be near the dumpsters. I got out to my car. As I rounded that corner, I could see what looked like a flash of light in the dumpster. Weird, but not alarming, as there are a lot of teenagers and younger boys who fuck around in that corner of the parking lot. My window was down a bit. As I was rolling it up, I hear a clattering sound from the dumpsters. I turned to see someone climbing out of the dumpster and start shining the light in the other dumpster. My daughter had left her window down too, so I walked around to her door and rolled her window up too. I slammed her door shut a bit harder than I meant to, and since I was then facing the dumpsters, I could see the dumpster man freeze 
and swing his light in my direction. He immediately switched it off, and right as I started to walk back inside, he started full-on sprinting toward my direction. My usually sedentary butt has never moved so fast (laughs) as I nope back onto the sidewalk into the back of the building. I quietly opened and shut my door, locked in hopes that with eight apartments back here, he wouldn't know where I was. Or maybe he was running for reasons entirely unrelated to me. Or maybe he was just fucking with me and is now having a laugh with his friends about the lady he just scared the shit out of. Whatever it was, I'm sure as shit not going getting any sleep tonight. Ooh, that's creepy. Full on sprinting towards you. Anybody? No, thank yeah, you. Yeah, dick. This past weekend, my soon-to-be wife, Alexia, and I had just settled down for a night of movies, pizza, and cuddling. We live in a residential area right outside of town. Our home's situated right across the street from a Presbyterian church with a large cemetery behind it. Most of our neighbors don't own pets, but there's one in particular across the street and downwards a bit who owns perhaps the loudest, most annoying dog to ever exist. Quite an annoyance on a night like tonight, but luckily it was quiet for the entire evening. It's around a quarter after 10 p.m. and we're lying down watching a film in our living room when the loudest dog on earth begins to go off. Unfortunately, there's nothing much we can do except maybe confront our neighbor or file a noise complaint, but who wants to be the neighbor that does that? After about five minutes, I get up off the couch and decide to walk over to our neighbor's home and say something about the dog. As I headed outside and made it to their driveway, unfortunately, I noticed that the neighbor wasn't home. Their only car not there. I decided anyway to walk up to the door and ring the bell. After a minute of no answering, I gave up and headed back towards home. I noticed that Alexia had stopped outside, stepped outside and was looking on towards the direction of the barking. I told her that no one was home and that we should either ignore it or finally file a complaint. No one should have to deal with a loud dog at night, especially if you're trying to unwind after a long day of work or are trying to sleep. Alexia and I heard head back inside for a bit and finally after about 10 minutes the dog ceases to bark. Lexia and I exhaled and laughed a bit before continuing our film. But of course not long after that the dog starts up again. This time it sounded vicious. I got up, went outside and approached our neighbor's fenced off backyard and saw the dog who must have heard or saw me coming. It stopped barking, walked up to me and began to pant in the cute way dogs do. I chuckled and said the dog's name, to which he looked at me and sat down. Such a good animal, even if he's so loud. I then heard something that sounded like somebody walking through leaves coming from behind me and to the right. I turned around to see somebody looking at me from behind a gravestone in the cemetery. The dog must have heard this as well as it sprung up and began to bark in the direction of the gravestone. I looked on as the person continued staring in my direction, and as the dog continued to bark, I looked towards my house where I saw Alexia standing near her car, looking at me with a confused look on her face. I looked in horror as I saw the person reveal himself from behind the gravestone. His forehead and cheek were stained red with blood, dripping down off his chin, and his hand was some sort of dagger. The dog began to go ballistic as the person took a few steps in our direction before stopping. I turned to the dog, then back at my home. Alexia, who was still outside, yelled out to me what was wrong. I told her to call the police. She said, why, the dog? To which I replied, he's fucking armed. 
Probably confused, Alexia went inside to grab her phone as I continued to watch on as the person now began to back off, the dog now going berserk. It was going to take a bit of time for someone to reach our home, so I readied myself to go into self-defense as I watched the man finally turn around and walk away towards the back of the cemetery and towards the woods. When the police finally arrived, the person was long gone, and I was stuck there explaining to a couple of skeptical officers about my encounter. They didn't seem to take me that seriously, but still investigated the area as I explained, explained to Alexia about the person I saw. When the police left after finding no trace of anyone, Alexia and, I, Alexia and I didn't feel much better. We locked our doors and windows and decided to call our neighbors to fill them in on everything before heading back to continue our movie night in spectacular fashion with The Exorcist. <laughs> I'd really like to hear that phone call <laughs> because I bet she was like, I don't know, <laughs> the dog is armed and... <laughs> No wonder the police didn't take him seriously. Because yeah, like, also she was like, "What the dog?" And he was like, "He's fucking armed." <laughs> when I was nineteen, I worked for a company that allocated labor to rural areas of Australia. Basically, what you did was tell them when you were available, and they'd send you to a remote farm for a few weeks where you do whatever they needed done. It was hard work and long hours, but good pay and good fun if you got in with a nice group of workers. When this occurred, I worked on a large property. It was the middle of nowhere. I was working at the farm clearing bushland and three other guys my age from the city. Our boss was a guy called Jeremy who owned the farm and supervised us while helping out with the work. He was pretty laid back and was generally really good to us. The summer in particular was very hot and the work was hard, so one day when the temperature hit about 38 degrees Celsius, which is 100 degrees Fahrenheit, Jeremy decided to give us the afternoon off. He said he knew of a water hole on the farm about 25 miles, about a 25 minute drive north. I was keen for a swim, but the other guys just wanted to relax for the Arvo, so him and I hopped in one of the work trucks and started heading across the property. It was mostly wide, empty expanses with a few clumps of scattered bushland. Jeremy wasn't much of a talker, so we drove more or less in silence. After about 20 minutes, however, he suddenly perked up and jabbed me in the ribs and said, Do you see that over there, beneath the two dead trees? I should mention here that if you're not familiar with inland areas, particularly those in Australia, they are brown or red, mostly flat and bland, meaning any bright colors stick out like a sore thumb. So you can imagine our surprise when we could see a large blue angular structure far off in the distance. We stared in its direction, and as we got closer, we realized it was a huge blue shipping container just sitting in the middle of nowhere. Jeremy was perplexed. I asked him if he knew what it was, but he obviously didn't. He said he hadn't seen it when he drove through the same area about five weeks before, and he wanted to go and see what it was. Initially, we pulled to a stop about 100 meters away from it. At this stage, I had a really bad feeling. The whole thing wasn't right. It's hard to explain, but if you can imagine seeing a foreign object in the middle of a huge barren expanse, it had to be something weird. Jeremy, however, wanted to investigate, which I understood given it was his property, but in truth, I was really anxious. As we got closer, things got even more bizarre. 
There was a big diesel generator behind it thumping away and a CCTV camera on each side. All motion activated, so they buzzed from side to side, following us as we moved around. I tried to reason with Jeremy, something along the lines of, With all this security, someone obviously doesn't want us here. Let's just go. He brushed me off, however, reminding me it was his farm, and whoever had put this here was trespassing, so he wanted to go inside. Despite all the surveillance, there was only a small padlock on the huge door. We had some bolt cutters in his toolbox, and after a bit of a struggle, we broke the lock and went inside. The first thing I noticed was the rush of cold air. There were flashing LEDs all around the place, and the sort of hum you hear when a hard drive is working hard. When we finally switched on the light, we could see a sophisticated, somewhat cluttered office setup. There were hard drives the size of bar fridges and other computer equipment lining the walls, sometimes piled two or three high, and plastic storage boxes scattered around the far wall, and several desks with computer monitors. Com <laughs> what? Did I say computer? <laughs> with computer monitors arranged in the middle, complete with rolling office chairs. At this point, I felt like I was one of those nonsensical... I was in one of those nonsensical dreams. My heart was racing and I just wanted to bolt. We had been seen by the CCTV, so if anyone was monitoring, they already knew we were here. Jeremy, on the other, was adamant we had to get to the bottom of this. So I put on a brave face and started looking through the computer. This went on for a while, but in short, neither of us had very high grasp of technology outside of Facebook and Microsoft Word. The best I can describe it from my lay position is that it was an endless list of computer talk. It was like the old Napster or LimeWire download, download, screen, download screens looked like just constantly picking up and receiving data, then recording it on several windows. I gave on the computer. <laughs> this is too much reading for me. <laughs> you gave up on the computer. <laughs> oh my gosh. I gave up on the computers and walked cautiously over to the far end of the container to the big pile of storage boxes. By then I was pretty sure no one else was there <laughs> as there was nowhere to hide really, but I was still incredibly on edge. I decided against my better judgment to see what was inside all this. Shut up! <laughs> oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> glad I could amuse you. <laughs> I decided against my better judgment to see what was inside all those all these boxes. My brief sift through this box still makes me feel sick to my stomach. It didn't take long for me to realize it was child pornography. One thing that still gets to me is that it was all neatly ordered in folders and small boxes. These people were organized. I immediately recoiled, jumped up, and ran over to Jeremy, 
I could hardly string a sentence together. I dragged him out, composed myself, and managed to explain what I saw. We jumped back into the truck and sped back to the house. The farm had no mobile phone reception, and we hadn't brought the satellite phone, so we had to get back to the landline to call the police. Once we called them, they still had to make it all the way to the farm from the nearest police station, which was in a town about half an hour from the town closest to the farm. As I mentioned, very remote. We waited, talking frantically about what we'd seen, until the cops arrived almost an hour later. They arrived with two four-wheel drives, and we jumped in and led them back. This is where it gets worse. By the time we got back, the container door was open, and there was a fire inside. We had only two small extinguishers in the car, and these did very little. The fire department took an hour to get there, by which stage most of the damage was already done. An arson report by the federal police found almost no evidence of the computer equipment described, and only traces of paper and cardboard. This means that whoever ran it knew we were there and had time to come and remove most of it and get away. There were various ways to get off the property, and the land mass was huge, so there was no real way to tail them. Since the police hadn't taken us all too seriously in the first place, probably due to our poor explanation on the phone, aerial surveillance was also impossible by the time we had pieced it all together. I took a keen interest in following it up, but with no real evidence of who might be responsible, the investigation went cold. I've kept in contact with Jeremy, and the shipping container is still sitting there on the farm, and it's too expensive to move. What? Holy shit. That means that they were, like, right there. Yeah, like, watching them, probably. Oh, my God. Creepy. Okay, and this is my last one. Was that epilogue? (laughs) That was my last one. (laughs) Okay. And I will finish them next week. <laughs> okay. So I actually looked up doppelgangers. I wanted to do doppelgangers, but somehow it morphed into glitch, um, matrix glitches. <laughs> oh, crap. Meme. Glitches in the matrix. So I think the first one's about a doppelganger, but then after that, it's all glitch in the matrix. Okay. First, I like both. Yeah. Well, hopefully next week I can find doppelganger stories because that's what I actually wanted to do. But anyway. Those are hard to find. It's they like they're are. always mixed in with like other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, the ones that are grouped. We've already done. Already done mm-hmm. So. Okay. First one. When I was a kid, I had a next door neighbor the same age as me who I was friends with. We were around 12 at the time and I found out that she was moving. She moved into a huge new house down the street, and so I would often go over there and we would play games, including hide-and-seek. Her new home was very empty because it was only her, her younger brother, and her parents who weren't home a lot. The kind of home that echoes and makes you feel like you're alone. We were playing hide-and-seek, and my friend Lily hid, and I was seeking. I clearly remember looking for her in the dining room and seeing her under the dining room table. I pulled back the chairs and ducked under to say, found you, but she was gone. Her dining room only has one entrance, and I was facing it, and I neither saw her or heard her leave. One minute she was there, and the next, poof, gone. I considered that maybe she hadn't really been there, as there was no way she could have left without me noticing. A minute after she inexplicably vanished, I saw her rushing downstairs, saying, what took you so long? 
I said nothing, and this time she counted and I hid. I decided to hide in a coat closet downstairs. Five minutes passed, ten minutes passed. I got bored, so I came out and called, Lily, I've been downstairs this whole time. Come on. She dashed downstairs, and she looked a little confused. But I saw you behind the desk in my room. I saw your hands sticking out in your hair, but when I looked behind it, you were gone. I don't understand. This is what she said. I told her... I then told her that I saw her under the dining room table and we were both pretty freaked out. We went online and looked up this sort of thing and doppelgangers popped up on the web. It said something like, I might have hid on behind her desk in an alternate dimension and the dimensions overlapped for a bit or something like that. No one ever believed us. Hmm. Creepy doppelgangers? Of both of them. Or another dimension? Creepy. Who knows? I don't know, though. When I think of another dimension, I don't think of them doing the exact same thing that we're doing. So I've heard that people, like, literally, like, there is a mirror of us somewhere doing the exact same thing all the time. But I don't see why or how or, you know, like, what point would that be? Yeah. But, like, if, if she had you know, under the table in one dimension, what difference does she, does it make if she hits somewhere else in another dimension? I don't know. That's just fucking weird. Yeah. Anyway, next one. I was in Siloth, North Cambria, UK yesterday for a weekend break. My daughter and I walked into a village and it was a ghost town. About five people were milling about. We both thought it was quite eerie. We were looking for an ATM, so we walked around the block and found one. Still hardly anyone in sight. Once I had some cash, we continued around the block back to the shop my daughter wanted to buy a waffle from. Then bam, the place was absolutely packed. People everywhere. I mean, hundreds of people. Me and my daughter were stunned. That's weird. That's weird. So I spent the last few days, almost a week, at my best friend's place. And the first night there, there I was wearing one of my band shirts I really liked. She even made a joke about it, so I for sure know she saw me wearing it. Later, I take it off to sleep because I was getting too hot in the spare room, and when I wake up in the morning, it isn't on top of the desk where I thought I put it. I was like, all right, whatever, I, miss thing, I misplace things all the time. I'll look for it later. Over the next few days, I keep looking for it. I never saw it, nor did she. But here it is. Today, I come home from her place and it's literally folded sitting on my bed, along with spare socks and boxers I brought with me that I also thought I lost. I couldn't even process it for a second and had to tell my brother about it. Any rational suggestion he brought up never happened. I'm half convinced everything is a, simul is a simulation at this point. Hmm. This next one is pretty long, so bear with me. 2019, my mother dies of an unexpected heart attack in her bedroom while living with my sister in Virginia. It was tragic and devastated all of us. She was all we had in the world other than each other. As my sister Rose said, a year after her passing, we're all alone now. After she died, the process of going through her things began. My sister Lindy thankfully handled all of that as well as the process of mom's cremation. She's an incredible, incredibly strong person. When my mom's phone was turned on and accessed, there was someone listed within that no one knew. We call him Beard for lack of anything other than 
a son that mom had given up for adoption in 1994. Say what? 1994. Yeah, bear with me. Okay, so this was 2019. Okay. okay. 1994. According to Beard, mom was secretly taken by a relative to a hospital where she gave birth to him and immediately gave him up for a better life. He was adopted straight away and no mention was ever made of him. No one even knew he existed until, well, until we went through mom's phone. Here's the problem with this. And here's where that potential snafu with rule number two comes into play. I would have remembered her being pregnant. I was just shy of 12 years old when he was born. My birthday was only days away. I was old enough by that point to understand the birds and the bees and the sign of pregnancy. Considering that I had four younger siblings by that point and had seen her pregnant multiple times, there are certain things that would have stuck out to me. It's not a simple matter of wearing baggy clothes to hide a protruding belly. Pregnant women have tells, like the way they carefully ease their way into a, a sitting position or the way they'll often lovingly caress their bellies in spite of themselves. There's the swelling bosoms, the water retention, all of it. Am I to believe that I overlooked all of this? And my sister Lindy, who likewise has no memory of mom being pregnant at this time, also overlooked it? I'm telling you, this never happened, but it did. My mom gave birth to a son in 1994, somehow without any of us being the wiser, and shipped him off. How? Okay, this is 1995. Mom gives birth to my sister, Rose, and keeps her, even though we were even less financially secure at this point than we were previously. Why keep one and surrender the other? Okay, 2021, or earlier this week. Two years since mom died, and, the year, and a year since I was told about Beard by my sister, Rose. Beard has added several family members on Facebook, so Facebook keeps suggesting him to me as people you may know. No, I'm not interested. Suggested again, not interested again, over and over and over again. Finally, I grow, grow tired of avoiding the subject. This whole thing reeks of horse manure, but I work it out in my head like so. One, if this man is a con man, why would he pick my mother of all people? My mother was a nobody to everyone but the people who loved her, but she was not a celebrity, former or current. She was not a YouTuber. She did not run a blog. She did not make appearances on the local news for anything. She kept a low profile because she was rather private. She was also broke. So if he's running a scam, why pick her? She has nothing to give him. Two, even if he is a con man trying to con someone with, with nothing, She's been dead for two years. He either believes his own con is playing a long game for some bizarre reason, or he's the real deal. I took a page from Sherlock Holmes and eliminated everything else, and, concluded, and the conclusion that I came to is that he's real. Three, the most convincing piece of evidence is my own mother. She never dismissed him or told him he was mistaken. She acknowledged it. There's no way someone would simply be mistaken about carrying a child for nine months and then giving it up. That's not a, wow, I don't remember doing that kind of situation. So I talked with him. This brother I never had before, who never existed, he said he used ancestry to, tra to trace his origins, and that's how he found us. 
We spoke on the phone for three hours, and I sincerely believe him to the point that I call him my brother. But the problem here is the pregnancy that never happened. I couldn't, it, that couldn't have happened. That no one saw happen, that would have almost been impossible to hide. Uh, he provided a day, a day of birth was a Monday, so I was in school, okay, but the nine months that preceded it, am I to believe that none of us, none of us saw anything? No, I was speaking with my uncle about his own son the day before last, and I told him that the boy is only six years old, but even he would know she was, uh, even he would know a pregnant woman if he saw one. He wouldn't be able to tell you how the baby got there, but he'd be able to say, that woman has a baby in her tummy. So when I almost was 12, I was more obvious than a six-year-old. This never happened, except we got a weird Mandela effect glitch in the Matrix event, and now it did. Now I have a brother who didn't exist before. Instead of considering our clan as six in number, we now consider it seven. I'm, it really boggles the mind. Conclusion. Some of you may be incredulous. Incredulous. Some of you may dismiss this as a mistake or simply say that my mom was especially good at hiding things. That's fine. If I could get every single person to believe every single word that I say, no matter what it is, I'd have a better success rate than Jesus. Even he couldn't do that. So I suspect some disbelief. All I can say is that to those of us in the family, those of us who were around her every day of our childhoods and a large portion of our adult lives, this could not have happened. Welcome to the family, Beard. I don't know how you came to be one of us, but you are. Regardless of everything else, you are one of us. It's weird. Yeah. Weird. Especially if this kid was 12. That's pretty old. I was thinking, too, the... So she had this beard in... In 94. And then his sister was born. 95. So how is that? I mean, it could happen. I guess if she had him early, early in the year. Yeah. So it could have happened, but I mean, what the fuck? That's fucking crazy. And why, yeah, why get rid of one of them? And then keep the one the next year? And keep six of the other ones. Well, I don't think there were six. I think there was only two. The whole the family thing. had six people. Oh. But, yeah, I mean, like, that's fucking weird. That is weird. I'm kind of wondering if it's, like, in the family line. I mean, but she acknowledged it, so it has to be. I mean, why would she? It, again, It like they said, it wouldn't be like, hmm, I don't remember having a baby <laughs> in 1994. You know, yeah. like, she had to remember if it happened. Yeah. Man, I wish she was alive so they could ask her. I know. Yeah. Okay, next one. I just found out that there's a Reddit for this and thought I'd post this story because I've literally been sitting on it for five years now, not knowing what to make of it. A little backstory, if you will. My grandparents have lived in the same house since 1962 and actually live there to this day. They have a big live oak tree out in the front yard. Now here's the weird part. It had an old swing on it that I know for a fact my grandpa had built, or at least that's what I was told as a kid. When I was a kid, I would lay in the hallway in their house and play with blocks and Barbies, etc. They had this big shelf at the end of the hall with knickknacks, pictures, candles, that sort of thing. 
On the bottom shelf were these old picture albums I used to love looking at. It had their wedding pictures, old pictures of my dad as a kid, but most specifically, there was a picture of my dad at about two years old sitting on my aunt's lap on that swing and my uncle standing off to the side. My dad was born in 1963, so this picture would have been from like 1965-ish. This is important. I loved that picture. I swung on that swing as a child. I played with my cousins out on that swing. I even fell off this thing as a kid and cut up my elbow pretty good. I go on to have my first child and he loves playing on the swing too, so it was our little routine. We would go to visit grandma and grandpa and he would swing for a bit when we went to leave. One day I show up to my grandparents to visit and I notice the swing is gone. No big deal, but I mention it to them when I go inside. Me, what happened to the swing, Grandma? Her, what swing? At this point, I'm laughing like, hello, the swing that's been in your front yard for like 60 years. My grandma is not laughing. She's seriously confused. I chalk it up to old age and move on. Then I was talking to my dad a day or two later on the phone and told him I thought Grandma's memory was going and told him about the swing situation. And he's like, what swing? Then it dawns on me, the photo album. I'm about to have photographic evidence to ruin their little joke. So I got to grandma's, pulled out the album. I knew the picture was in. Mind you, this thing has like an inch thick layer of dust on it and doesn't look like anyone's touched it in 10 years. The photo is freaking gone. My son, granted only three and a half, doesn't know what I'm talking about either, despite just playing on it four or five days ago. Please tell me I'm not crazy and this is some glitch, but even if it is a glitch, it makes no sense. Something as small as an old wooden swing? Like why? My oldest son is eight now, so I've been thinking about this for about five years with absolutely no valid explanation. That is so weird. What the fuck? Nobody knows what she's talking about. What the fuck? What? That's Mandela effect, man. That is crazy. At some point, her life switched dimensions or something. Mm -hmm. And it was recently. That's That's crazy. Yeah. Next one. I am a French language teacher in Russia. And due to that, I should travel at least once a year to Moscow for documents. And because I live in a city that's 2,000 kilometers far from Moscow, I use a plane each and every time. Now let's jump to the fun part. The time zone in Moscow is um, behind two hours. I flew to Moscow with my wife and landed safely. I went to the embassy at 9 a.m. and did my things, and by 10 a.m., I already finished. Now we have the whole day to visit Moscow before our back flight, which will be at 11 p.m. First, we visit a linen library, undergrounds, Kremlin Gardens, the cathedral, a red square by foot, and when I looked at the time, I was shocked. It was 11 a.m., which means this whole excursion took one hour, and I was so sure it took more, because for those who don't know, Moscow is a a gigantic city, and we moved between places by feet. No taxi, no bus, just by feet. I thought that it's just because of the time zone difference, and I felt a bit tired after the flight, but no. My watch and phone were automatically updated when we got to Moscow, So we decided to find a place to eat, and we were looking here and there when we found a good spot. We settled and took our lunch, took a tour around the malls and commercial centers, 
bought souvenirs, took coffee, a few cigarettes, and took a look at my phone. What the fuck? It's 1130. Just 30 minutes gone. My wife noticed it too, and we felt a little weird. We were already tired of walking around places, and time is literally not moving or moving slowly. I suggested to sit in an open-air cafe and waste some time until about 7 to go back to the airport. We sat down and took my fifth or sixth coffee that day and talked to my wife about anything and everything. Time goes, and we felt that we minimum sat for two hours, but no, it was only noon. I lost it, and not and to not make the, ne- the text long and boring, we kept moving between cafes and museums on this infinite day. And finally, when 7 p.m. hit, I said, finally, for God's sake. It really felt like forever, and when I checked my step counter, I was at 400% plus of my expected number. We walked around 15 kilometers around the city, And then I understood that something was unusual about the travel because when I got back to the city, the time was running like usual. I could feel how the time was going faster than in Moscow. Weird. That is weird. It'd be kind of nice, though. Yeah. Especially if you're, like, on vacation, have a day to do whatever you wanted. Fuck yeah. Oh, it'd suck if you were, like, at work. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Actually, that's... feel like Yeah, that's, like, every day for me. (laughs) Okay, next one. Akin to a microwave minute differing to a snooze minute, I feel like something really bizarre is has been happening the last couple of months. The same route, usually a 10-minute walk I take every morning with no obstructions at the same place, has differed by five whole minutes a few times, as though I've literally helicoptered to my destination. In the same way that the 20-minute insane rush to get ready, same routine every single day, made me literally shout what the fuck this week when I decided to take a shower and lotion, etc., and just be late. Then I checked the time, and I was still on my usual schedule as the shower and additional... Faffing? Faffing? What? Had never happened. F-A-F-F-I-N-G. <laughs> okay. Faffing. I've never heard that word before. (laughs) I don't know. Faffing had never happened. Last night I checked my phone and saw that an unusual 15 minutes to answer emails before dinner reached to open my laptop and saw it said 8 p.m. in the corner. On my phone it was the same, made no sense. At this point, I just said I must be dead. I might cut that out. Yeah, that didn't make any sense at all to me. Faffing. (laughs) I can't even think of what it might be if it was, like, typoed. That's like, I don't know. I don't know. Next one. A little over a year ago, my husband and I bought a house. One of our neighbors had the most beautiful flower bush in the corner of their yard. Just from what we remember, it was similar to a hibiscus. We noted if it still... We noted if we still loved it the next year, we would ask them exactly what it was and find a few for our own yard. This year, we had been waiting in anticipation to see it bloom again, and every time we drove by, we discussed remembering these large, beautiful, hibiscus-like flowers. It finally bloomed, and now it's definitely a hydrangea bush. Mm -hmm. 
It's large and mature enough that there's no way they ripped the old one out that they were remembering and replaced it with this one. My husband and I remember it exactly the same and nothing like the way it is now. Not even similar colors. I've even searched other front yards thinking we, we maybe got the house mixed up, but it's a very specific house on a corner lot and no other houses have anything even remotely close. We keep eyeing... <laughs> We keep saying it must be a glitch in the matrix because we cannot explain it, especially with our memories being being exactly the same as to what we saw last year. Not the biggest glitch or deal, but it drives my mind crazy every time we drive by. Hmm. That is kind of weird. It's weird, but they could have replanted. They could have. Yeah. Uh, the other day, I decided to go into Goodwill. When I was parking, there was a van unloading Amish people at the front of the door. There were about eight of them. I thought it was funny that they were riding in a vehicle and they were shopping. So I laughed and parked my car. I was super, super curious as to what they would be shopping for and kept an eye out for them in the store. I walked all over and they were nowhere to be found. It's not a huge store and this is a wide and it is wide open to where you can see everything. It's like they disappeared. It really tripped me out. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah. Next one, I was at a gathering in this famous themed restaurant, and I met all of my friends there after so long in the pandemic. But here's the thing. I also met this man who claimed to be my oldest friend and that we met regularly. First, I have no male friends because I went to an all-girls school. Second, I have like three friends. I think I would remember a fourth one who I apparently met regularly. Most of my friends were like, yeah, don't you remember him? I thought these idiots were pranking me, so I dismissed it. But then this dude starts talking about my life at present and assuring me that everything will be okay. Mind you, this is a personal incident I've talked to no one about. This freaks me out and I go home saying that I'm feeling a bit nauseous and just rummage through my things hoping to find this man anywhere. Nope. And then I get a text. This man sends me a photo with my identity card from back in 19... Or, Back in 2017, saying shit like, whoops, someone has a bad memory. Now, this sort of circuited, this short-circuited my brain. Pretty sure he was never my friend. But how the fuck did he get my identity card? And how does her friends know? Seriously? What? That's weird. I mean... I mean, he sounds like a freaking stalker, but you would think she would remember that, even if he well, was. Yeah. What the fuck? Weird. Next one. This is going to be short, but it happened during my senior year of high school. I'm a 2020 grad. This happened before everything was shut down due to COVID. My anatomy class was primarily made up of juniors, and there was one other senior, but she dropped the class, so that made me the only senior in the class. I sat up toward the front, and we were going over the skeletal system. The anatomy teacher had some fake bones that he passed around for everyone to look at. Each student looked at the bone before passing it to the other person behind them. The bone was the humerus. Finally, once the bone got to me, I studied it before getting up from my desk to put it on the lab table that sat directly in the front of the room as I was the last person to look at the bone. The lesson goes on, and suddenly, a few minutes later, I felt something poking me in the back. I turned around wondering what the kid behind me was doing when I saw that he was handing me the bone that I had just seen. I was confused and thought maybe the teacher handed, it out, handed out a second bone, 
But if he did, I would have seen him handing it to someone. When I looked at the front of the room, the bone was no longer where I had set it. I wanted to say I've already seen it, because I had, but I decided to stay quiet. I took the bone and quickly looked it over before getting up from my seat once again to return the bone. Now, you can argue and say maybe someone got up and grabbed it again, but the problem with that is, if that was the case, I would have heard and seen them get up and walk to the front of the class and grab the bone. No one had gotten up from their seat, nor had the teacher grabbed the bone to pass it around again. I was focusing on the lesson, so I didn't see the bone move at all from where I had placed it until I was poked in the back with it. It was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced, and I've never been more confused in my life than I was in that moment. Weird. It's weird. What the fuck? It's like it was rewound. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> okay, and this is my last one. Let me start by saying I do live in an area with heat lightning. I know what it looks like, and it's definitely, and definitely this is not heat lightning. This happens at any time of the year. So this all started probably at least eight years ago. In my old house, my room had a window connected to my backyard. I usually always kept it open no matter what the weather was. Now, I noticed one night while watching television or playing some game in my room, I would see a flash. But not like lightning, as my backyard had a ton of trees, so when there was lightning, I'd see bits of it through the trees. But it would never be enough to light my room. Barely any light, if any. But these flashes were exactly like a phone camera. It would light up my ceiling because my window was fairly high up, enough to where you'd need something to climb on to get through the window. And this would always make me extremely uncomfortable because at that house, I had no friends that would do that. Plus, it happened every so often to where it would even make sense. It wouldn't even make sense as a joke. I had no family who would do anything like that, nor had any reason as to why they would come, just come to my room to get a picture of me or my television. But anyway, to get more to the point, these flashes were extremely weird. They couldn't be lightning or cars as they happen in windows where no light would, would even get in, especially at these angles, unless something deliberately was shining in. In my current house, I see them very often at night through my curtain. Fortunately, with this light, or with this house, I am on the second floor, so it would be very difficult to get really good pictures, but still. There's literally someone or something making a strange white flash happen outside my window. And at my old house, I would have heard someone walking around in my backyard. I would have heard them right beside my window because my ears were directly beside my window, and I have extremely good hearing. But also, looking this up online, that's quite a few results of many people experiencing exactly this, but there's no answer to what it is, and it's creepy. Seriously, I rarely ever get weirded out by unexplained or paranormal things, and I doubt I have a stalker as I am a random, boring, unattractive person, and there's literally no other s signs of a stalker. And it lasted so long, this has to be something else, but the fact that despite all these people experiencing this, there's no real answers to what it is. That was it. Well, okay. It's a weird flashing light outside your window. All right. It's time for the witty wrap-up. Yay, witty wrap-up. I did funny tweets. Okay. Are you surprised? No. <laughs> I like them, though. They're funny. I know. 
Welcome to parenting. People who actually eat dirt will now criticize your cooking. <laughs> oh my God, that's so true. <laughs> it's not so much that my child asked, how do people become green beans? As it is that she asked it while eating green beans. <laughs> what? <laughs> as far as I can tell, parenthood is about desperately wanting my newborn to fall asleep so I can look at the 500 adorable photos I took of her that day. <laughs> I asked the kids if there was anything they wanted from the grocery store, and the first thing my daughter asked was, how was our cheese, cheese situation? <laughs> That's great. My son's favorite new outrage is, why didn't you tell me? You're five, bro. Sorry, we didn't consult you while shopping for this credenza. <laughs> That's funny. My three-year-old daughter told me she used the potty, and I accidentally said, yes, bitch, and held out my hand for a high five. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so something I would do. <laughs> This past weekend, I moved to another country, and people are like, oh my god, so jealous. You live in paradise. Now you can relax. And it's like, I'm sorry. There seems to have been some <laughs> miscommunication. I still brought my kids with me, so no. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Based on how much effort my kids put into finding anything before declaring it lost, a nursing home may be the safest place for me in my <laughs> old age. Yeah, same. One of my kids got mad at the other because she made him laugh too much, so I immediately launched into a story about how, in my day, laughter hadn't even been invented yet. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to parenting. You have now become kid's mom's name. Wait. Kids' names, mom, in everyone's phone. Oh, yeah. So Peyton's mom. Yeah. Before I had kids, I didn't know it was possible to ruin someone's day by saying, brush your teeth, please. <laughs> Me as a kid, I wish I was an adult so I could do whatever I want. <laughs> Me as an adult, I wish I was a kid so I could do whatever I want. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so true. <laughs> The worst. I think it's important to start traditions with your kids when they are young. For example, we do this thing on the weekends where my wife and I cook dinner, then our kids criticize it. <laughs> so nice. Family time. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter just told me that I'm about to be a grandma. She's two. Oh, what? <laughs> Maybe she meant to her doll. I don't know, but that's I, I unsettling nonetheless. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I wish I loved anything as much as my kids love leaving their Band-Aids in the shower. Gross. <laughs> my 10-year-old refers to Facebook as Nosebook because my nose is always in it. And I think that this is what getting owned by your kid feels like. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> Not fun. No. Somewhere out there, there is a parent who has only had to say something once. Uh, where? I don't believe that. No. And my last one. I was once introduced to a couple at a party. We chatted for a while, then their kids came over. I looked at the kids, then looked at the couple and said, Oh my God, how did you two have such beautiful children? And that's why I shouldn't be allowed to talk to people. <laughs> 
And that's all I got. All right. Yeah, that's the stuff you only think. Yeah. That's, you it, it's you not say. supposed to come out. <laughs> now, people might think you're rude. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's still rude. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Send in your stories. We need them. Ghoulsnightoutpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. Request to join the group. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen, and we'll talk to you next week. Later. Bye.